So you're listening to the DoD 45 podcast. I'm Ty of Art by Ty, and I'm a professional artist, and I'm fortunate to have collectors all over the world. Uh, when the pandemic hit in 2020, galleries closed, and so did most of my connections with my collectors. So I came up with this one-of-a-kind podcast series, Drawing Over Discussions, 45 Minutes with a Special Guest, where I have a discussion with a guest, usually someone who's had an inspirational impact on myself or on my career. So during the discussion, I draw a picture for my guest, similar to a time when I used to doodle while I was talking on the phone. Uh, at the start of each episode, I start a 45-minute timer, and we just see where the discussion goes and how the drawing turns out. So join us while I do some drawing and engage in discussions filled with random Sophie's Choice questions and anything else that may be of interest for that day. Enough of my intro, let's just get to the show. And welcome to another episode of DOD45. I am your host, Ty of Art by Ty, and today I'll be wrapping it up with B. Dolan, an indie MC on the Strange Famous Records label out of Providence, Rhode Island, and the other half of the hip hop duo Epic Beardman, a collaboration between himself and Sage Francis. I feel like I should tell you that I'm getting paid to say this And poison is the rock upon which lay the foundation A pyramids we built next to mills that laid vacant With dead bodies all up in the basement Ghost town settlers, lepers working the grave shit During our discussion, we touch on his recent spinal injury His hosting of live hip-hop events via Minecraft and Twitch At the hands of the pandemic And his surgery ending his touring opportunities and how his Minecraft concerts have created a safe and inclusive venue for all people, including those with physical disabilities. We also discuss his unapologetic work toward corporate accountability and his new website, corporatebehavior.org. B. Dolan has been a longtime ally to the LGBTQ community, uh, advocating against homophobia in hip-hop culture. He's also been an encouraging and welcoming voice to the LGBTQ plus performers on stage. Um, all of this while I draw him a picture of a grizzly bear. B. Dolan is patient, calm, and composed, yet he nobly stands up for those whose voices aren't as loud as his own. I sincerely appreciate having had the opportunity to have a conversation with him. B. has additionally used his platform to speak out against brutality at the hands of excessive police force, as in the case of 20-year-old Oscar Grant's murder, which was filmed on the cell phones of bystanders, leading to the conception of B. Dolan's familiar hashtag and song of the same name, Film the Police. Film the police, it's time to make it our priority. You see these schools are an abuse of their authority. You crack a fist or you crack a whip, but that ain't power, you coward. You be the man with two shackle wrists. So without further ado, B. Dolan, welcome. And thank you for joining me on um, this episode of DOD 45. Thanks for the invite. I'm excited to do this. Before I start uh, drawing and I, before I start the timer, i just like to ask... Um, we, we were avoiding it for a long time in the first couple of podcasts we did. And then we realized like everybody's going through this same pandemic shit. So it's kind of dumb to just act like it's not happening. So I just wondering how you're doing, um, how things are going for you, how you've been surviving the, the lockdowns and we made it through. Uh, I'm like at the light at the end of the tunnel of distance learning is ahead of me. My nine-year-old nephew has been in my house since September. We, I've repeated third grade this year. I'm coming to the end of that. Uh, I had like a major surgery over the winter, came through that, uh, feeling better in physical therapy and coming back to that. And yeah, it's springtime go outside again. All these things are helping. I'm doing all right. Were you indoor, pretty much indoors all the time or were you getting out enough? Uh, New England winters are pretty, pretty ill. And I had a a surgery on the upper part of my spine implanting like a metal rod back there uh january 18th i woke up like to watch the inauguration um so that was like a six-week recovery time where i was on like a walker then a cane on ice <laughs> so yeah. we weren't going out much in a pandemic so yeah i've been shuttered in uh with the with the house pets but uh yeah it was a long winter for sure do you do most of your like um, like your recordings while you're sitting or do you stand? Is there a preference on that? Like does it either one um, bother your back? I got this standing desk that I can like crank up and down 
that's been pretty dope. So I can, I don't, I try not to spend too much time in any one position. Um, yeah, it was six weeks of just like not being able to be in anything but a recliner and like kind of figuring out how to manage pain medicine and stuff. And, uh, then after that, still a month or two of just being weird and shaky. And, um, so, I mean, through that, I was able to keep in touch with lots of people, keep doing lots of stuff. We threw a Minecraft rap show <laughs> and uh, had a couple like virtual events that were dope. So I kept myself occupied. And like I said, the distance learning, the third grade every day, the having to relearn fractions that kept the blade sharp. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I know. My, I, when my kids are doing school, they come to me. I used to be really smart. And now they come to me with questions. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. Yeah. No, nah, third grade is the point too, where I like, I just dropped off with a lot of things. I just, I remember being that age and just being like, oh, I'm not going to use this shit and just like dismissing, uh, you know, and, and I made it through a lot of my life without needing the shit until now. Who knew? Yeah. You weren't planning for a, a, a pandemic and someone being <laughs> nine year old be like, explain fractions to me. I'm like, shit. You, shit. Are you the type of person that can you handle just it being slow or or like nothing happening or do you have an active mind where you need to be doing shit all, all the time it's been yeah i i think i gotta keep doing shit all the time um and so i haven't really been able to properly record for the last year that was one thing that changed to my go-to studio locally um that was just like a immune compromised quarantine situation through the bad parts of the pandemic. We just needed to make sure DS3K, our engineer was like safe and he got his vaccine. So that, you know, but um, so that changed things up for me in terms of being able to record. And like I said, my daily schedule here at the house. So I've been on like total pause creatively for a year and just kind of decided on that and was like, okay, if I can't, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to, like I could half start a lot of things I could, you know, um, but it wouldn't do justice to anything I tried to execute properly. And I really think momentum is important. So I was just like, okay, it's on pause. Let me just deal with all the other things that the creative brain hates dealing with. So I've been dealing with a bunch of packaging and reissues and, you yeah. know, like I, I just bore, bore down on like Patreon and, um, stuff I, I had been meaning to look into on like business side of things and financial side of things um, and did that for the last year. So that kept me super busy, just straightening all that stuff out, publishing and all the, you know, tedious emails yeah. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to write. I've been in that world. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back to making things. Having the time to be able to focus on that shit that you've put away for so long, like just dealing with business side of stuff is yeah as artists or as diy people we have to do but when you when you're out creating or making shit happen like it's really stuff that gets put on the back burner for way too long <laughs> yeah and i mean certain it's not all been bad either the pandemic uh, like stopped my touring option which had been the way that we financially line up like the next album for the past decade that's how we've been doing it we've been going out on these diy tours raising money at shows, selling merch hand-to-hand, -hand, making fans that way, and then coming home with that money and spreading it across our, our DIY album recording budget. Um, when the pandemic started, I canceled a whole year's worth of tours I'd been lining up in my head and instead focused on Patreon and subscriptions, which now has like replaced that. Now that pays my mortgage. So I don't have to, you know, take any gig unless it's really worth doing and I can creatively focus way more on that side of things so it's it's already been beneficial to like spend a year on all that like homework um and i'm like a week away from building a new studio in the backyard that i've been working on for like nine months so i'm about to move in there and finish third grade <laughs> <You're> like, <"I laughs> use all the crayons we haven't used <laughs> just take them in the beat barn billy madison style um <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. I, I have been finding from doing this podcast with everybody that I've been talking to, that seems to be the big thing. Everyone's real. It's been nice for people to realize, like, I don't need to fucking be on tour all the time anymore. Yeah, and we've all had to find a new hustle. So, well, I'm glad to hear that it's um, been something. Are you about to graduate from third grade pretty soon then? Pretty soon. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to set the timer for 45 minutes. So there's our 45 minutes. Um, 
B. Dolan said that he um, liked grizzly bears. So I am going to draw a grizzly bear um, with a little bit of trepidation because uh, it is the playoffs right now. And I'm a huge Utah jazz fan and we are playing the Memphis Grizzlies. So currently I hate grizzlies. (laughs) Yeah, no, leave sports out of it. (laughs) So there we go. We got 45 minutes to have a discussion and draw uh, a bear. Um, Do the hard part. Yeah. The first thing I want to, I wanted to ask last night, I was looking at, I was just going through videos. So I like to go through just stuff like oh, with my guest, whoever the guest is. And I caught your video. Um, which side are you on? Yeah. For the last few years i've been telling my wife i watched this documentary i don't even remember what the documentary was um i have been a, a huge busta rhymes fan for a long time and and in this documentary he was like in the studio and they asked him something about like uh, gays and hip-hop or something i don't i don't know and he said something that was like I, it blew me like it really blew me away i couldn't believe he said it um does this sound familiar to you at all? Because you used footage of him in that video, and I thought, is that what he's talking about too? Because yeah, he he was asked if uh, by a reporter if he thought that there could ever be a gay rapper, and Busta's response is something like, "Culturally, I don't where I come from doesn't condone it," um, and he just like, yeah, in it's a it's a clip that you know, I mean. But we ran into homophobic uh, people throughout hip hop and a, a lot of those early tours and stuff. And we were written off in, in that early time as quote unquote art fags. Right. Um, and so at a certain point, um, the clear, <laughs> you know, the, just, just, just the dated nature of those bars. I was listening to uh, Ether by Nas the other day. And I remember hearing that song and hearing that corny bar about like gay Z. Right. And I remember thinking then, like, oh, it's over. Like, th- that's so corny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, that was even a, you know, from, a, from the perspective of a writer, like, people get so sensitive about cancel culture and like what artists can and can't say. It's not that. I wanted to cancel them when I heard that. When I heard that, I was like, oh, why would you, <laughs> why would you put your pen to that? Like, why would you, you know, like, why would you put your name to that? Like, in, in all that you could say, that's what you came with, or, you know, like, and you've, you've immediately just like become a sepia tone photo. <laughs> you know, right. like, you're now the old timey motherfucker who, who like thought it was cool and funny to say that, like that, those jokes, that those bars age so poorly. Like, so we knew back then that cats were corny, man, but it was just like this, this toxic masculinity shit. This like rappers were on that, you know, they figured out wasn't funny like 10 minutes ago. So that definitely was from. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, and I don't even remember what that documentary was. I, I do remember seeing him say it and I was like, wow, that does not, I, I sort of changed the way I look at him. So I guess now my question to you is, I don't know how to handle my, I'm not great with my feelings and stuff. <laughs> um, I just know like there are things that I don't like that I think are, are like kind of shitty. Like I've all, I was raised to treat people with respect and be, you know, be good to people. And, um, and also be forgiving of people when the choices that they make, as long as they're willing to make a change. But I, what I don't, I just don't know how do I, like I turn to my 15 year old daughter for to have, how to handle this shit. Cause she's a full on activist. And so anytime I say anything, like she full on calls me out on it. But yeah. what I'm wondering is do we forgive, like, how do we, how do I navigate that? Can I still be a Busta Rhymes fan? Has he changed his way? Like, I don't know. That's what I mean. I ask no, myself I the same question, man. <laughs> I, I, I go revisit those albums that, you know, when I, when I heard them, I knew that I, I heard like the chink in the armor, you know, like I, I heard it then, but I was like, oh, okay. You know, and at the time, you know, certain things seemed, you know, but going back, it's just, it's hard to predict how music is going to age really um unless you are thinking on that wavelength like and a lot of cats aren't a lot of cats are not considering 
the the scope of of who they're addressing when they put their voice on wax you know like when they make that record like i have always tried to be but even that even i learned some hard lessons too when i put out my first things and just not realizing how far it was going to spread and then like what certain types of of information or content or confessional stuff you know you make things for yourself and then someone wants to distribute it and then it gets distributed and you see the results of that but once you've seen the results of that like you're addressing everybody you know after you're dead we're still going to have these records and like what did you have to say Who, which side were you on like is how that song came about to come the long way around to that answer well it's an awesome song too and i yeah i'm glad that i discovered it I, it's how is it newer i i don't i don't know why i just nah, I, I, it went that, over yeah that was from 2012 yeah i totally I, what a bummer i'm glad i just <laughs> stumbled on it last night Word. And uh, it wasn't what I was going to lead with. Like, I usually just like, like to have a conversation. I wasn't trying to like start any shit and, or there, but I just remember, I mean, it literally happened last night. I was at, right, right after I got done texting you, actually. And um, I just remember going like, oh, I totally remember that moment happening. And I'm sure that's what's going on in this track. So so I, I like to do um, Sophie's Choice things just to kind of loosen shit up. Um, so uh, we'll go with this first one. Um, awful, awful or coffee milk? Whoa, whoa, you brought it to home base right away. <laughs> huh. Man, uh, awful, awful. I got a Newport Creamery. Shout to the, the OGs. I, I still never quite believe it. People say to me all the time that coffee-flavored milk and, and coffee-flavored ice cream don't exist outside the state of Rhode Island. That can't be right. Like, you've had coffee ice cream. Yeah, somewhere? but... yeah. Yeah. It exists. <laughs> it does exist. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the same way you can get chocolate milk and some chocolate syrup flavored milk, we can get coffee flavored milk. And we raise our kids addicted to coffee here in New England. Kind of on that same note. So we also have a home in Salt Lake City. We were both raised in Utah and ah. we have a thing called fry sauce out there. Okay. Um, and it's only in Utah, except everybody uses fry sauce. It's just mayonnaise and ketchup mixed together. But they actually sell it as called fry sauce. So, are, are Mormons allowed to have it? Are they, Adrian? Yeah, they're the ones that invented it. <laughs> All right. That's how, they, that's how you spice up life. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, how about uh, Cypress Hill or Lauren Hill? Oh, wow. That feels like an impossible choice. <laughs> that's a Sophie's choice. <laughs> I, I got to choose Lauren Hill uh, for the culture. Yeah, yeah. And also... A shout I mean, to Cypress Hill. Yeah, I find every time I like to do the ones where you have to kind of go like, oh shit, like you kind of feel <laughs> yes, bad about doing it. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a big hole in the space-time continuum either way. Yeah, no one's gonna hopefully no one's gonna hold it against you, but who knows these days? Some, <laughs> yeah. Someone might come after you <laughs> fall guy or a team. A team. Were you were you a TV guy at all? Um yeah, I was a TV kid, but I was I was not really i was of a, a weird era and i was just in i was just i never had control over what was on mm. but yeah I, I caught i caught a team at some point did you what were you doing with your time as a as a like a young like toddler or teenager i was born in 1981 so i i and then i got passed around various houses and babysitters and stuff both parents worked so when i was at like one aunt's house she would watch a lot of dynasty Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then like my grandfather watched a lot of westerns, and then so it was that type of thing. And then later, like I got a babysitter that uh, watched a lot of MTV, so I caught a lot of like early MTV during the Did, summer and shit. Were you always into uh, writing writing po poetry or words and rapping, or how did the, how did that how did you end up a, a, on that? I was always into music. Um, as far as writing, I think I kind of credit it to this weird thing that happened to me when I was a kid. My father and grandfather had the same name as me, and they took me to see my grandfather's grave because he died before I was born. And uh, they showed it to me and they told me, that's your name. <laughs> and I, I, as a young kid, this is like my first memory. I really thought they had brought me to see my own grave. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I freaked out and according to my parents i was like inconsolable for a couple of days like i was fucked up like i thought they had done that to me and 
<laughs> so as but I remember my whole childhood like really fixating on like death and where do you go after you die and all that shit. Um, and so I really I read a lot of horror stories. I found like Stephen King books at school at the like book fair. And uh, and so I've just like read that all through elementary school. I read a lot of Stephen King. I would just stay in my room, listen to music and read. How do you deal, in, deal with it now? Do you, do you still fixated on death and, and the things that happen to us after or? Uh, not not as much. I mean, I still I keep a I keep a healthy relationship with my own death or I try to right. <laughs> you know, like it. I check in with my own death, like at a certain point. Your spinal injury or your back thing that you had when you're with your uh, surgery was that anywhere was it the a type of thing where it was you know a near that you could call like if something went wrong it could have been a near death or was it more of a paralysis sort of thing uh I, it was an eight hour surgery so like that right off top was intense to consider after after like a year or so of being in like quarantine not even physically like moving around and stuff it, it was felt like a weird time to go into it um but yeah no i mean the surgery itself i definitely felt the whole time that i was in the hands of like a really competent surgeon so i but you know they definitely gave me some like very scary possible percentage chance it goes sideways type shit might happen uh so yeah i mean but even before that and like i said like on a and try to check in with my own death like um it's it's a funny idea but it's like if you're always aware of that eventuality um it, it's cool to check in with it and just be like you know in the grand scheme of things this might be bad but it's not death yet <laughs> so yeah. you know uh the clock's still ticking all that shit you know has there been um have a lot of death in your life or not so I, that's, I don't want to be all like somber, but nah, yeah, I mean, I come from a big family to begin with. So we had like grandparents die and, um, and then yeah, alias recently, uh, within the past couple of years, while we were working on the Epic Beard Men stuff passed away at 41. So yes, yeah, I mean, death has been a part of it. It's a motherfucker is, <laughs> you know, and to, you know, my immediate concern, even when I heard like the diagnosis and all that was like my wife, the people who, cause I know that that's the real thing is like, it's not the person who goes, you know, it's the people who are left behind. Like the person who goes, like it's, it's either over, it's not type shit. But um, if you're the one, if you're the one that everyone's looking at, like, are you going to make it type shit? You're kind of in the best position, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's the other people that you start worrying about, like, damn, is this going to fuck you up? If You know? So, yeah, who you leave behind and how they feel about it. Yeah, it's heavy <laughs> shit, but it's worth contemplating. Yeah, that, I, that's what I think that's what I was getting at when when I was asking that is if you ha if you do check in with it and realize yes, we all we all do we all go at some point. It might make it a little easier to deal with other people's death in your in your lives. So, how about uh, arcade or game console? <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, game console. Uh, the arcade. I mean. Did you fuck around in the arcades a lot? Yeah, there was one called Dream Machine where near where I grew up. Yeah. Well, do you arcade. remember what 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 game would have, would be the one that always you would drop many a quarter in? Yeah, <laughs> I remember having to play the Aerosmith game a lot. That was not not a favorite, but uh, Michael Jackson had the uh, Moonwalker game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You guys still have a uh, like a Nickelcade or something out there where you're in, by your spot? I don't even know where the nearest one to go is i think um we have a dave and busters but like oh yeah that's a whole mall <laughs> scene to itself there's other than that there's like some retro spots like we drove two hours one time to go to a spot where you can get like jalapeno cheese poppers and like they got all the old games um the internet may have robbed that of the youth of today maybe i don't know if dream machine can exist we did but also give Gave them a whole other sort of new new thing to have fun. That's with, true. They're having fun. They're on Twitch. Oh, that reminds me. Um, when you're doing your Twitch streams now, um, do you are the people that are there? Are they B Dolan the rapper fans, or are they B Dolan like Twitch star? Now, I think. Or do you I have any idea? I think they're the rapper fans, and like a couple 
Minecraft fans. <laughs> it is becoming, yeah. There are a couple people who have, have come in through Minecraft now, which is funny. Yeah, my kids love watching Minecraft. That whole concept of watching people play games was a, a weird one to me, but I mean, I, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Twitch is cool. Like watching people make or do things, like clearly. Um, yeah, it, it has like a kind of like calming long-term it, it's a cool it's like hanging out with someone virtually uh i i wasn't sure of it as i started messing with it but the more i like dug in followed a couple more people on twitch found like how many of my favorite djs are on twitch all the time so yeah the I, i'm with it it's a good life lesson too for people because uh, you you want to be against so many things <laughs> but then once <laughs> you actually try it you're like oh yeah, this is actually, this ain't so bad. I learned that from my my teenagers. Watching people play games certainly is like, it It goes back to the arcade, right? Because there'd be like one machine and like 30 kids that wanted to play the game. <laughs> so the illest kid would get to just like muscle up to the front. But yeah, Twitch is cool because like with the, the way that the broadcast can be really like retooled and people can kind of become a channel and put out different types of content for different things they do. Like I'm, I'm moving into this new studio now and thinking about like having the ability to do music production streams and DJ streams and different types of uh, stuff as well as like just chatting or political stuff, different content on different days. Um, not, not that I love the word content, but like uh, the engagement becomes different. There are people that are suddenly there like just to hear about Minecraft and <laughs> then passively become aware of like, Oh, there's music. And, oh, all right. There's a whole bunch of albums to listen to and stuff. You're still doing the Minecraft concerts, right? Because I've only seen the two. Like, I remember when you did the first one. That was what in Jan or November. That was November. last November. <clears throat> and you did. I know there was a second one that came out in March or something, right? Yeah, we did three of them total. Actually, Are you going to be doing four. more? Um, possibly. I'm waiting to see what the summer is going to be like because I kind of feel like summertime everybody's gonna especially people are returning to live shows in some places um i don't think though that the virtual show thing is ever gonna go away i think it's like it's been valuable in a way to see and to build like a kind of ideal kind of community like especially as we like think about the pre-pandemic post-pandemic music industry diy scene venues what that's all going to be like think about and learn about some of the shitty behavior of people in the past in those scenes and now like it was it was cool to kind of just construct like in a in a video game um a space where like people could like act however the fuck they want be whoever the fuck they want be safe not get harassed um and we could come together as a community and like raise money for shit so we did like we we raised uh over five g's for the union of musicians and allied workers at the one in february um and in november we managed to like pay all the artists more than we guaranteed them um which sometimes doesn't even happen in real shows so and i mean people were really grateful for the space the community was super positive the whole time heard from a lot of people in the disabled community who were like please don't stop doing this shit um, cause this is awesome. And like, I can be at a show. Um, so like the value like that is like, it's not going to go away because people are returning to live music and hopefully it has some effect in how people are thinking about returning to live music. Yeah. That's how I was going to ask. Do you think this will have a change in live venue shows? Like, will there be a change? And if so, what, what do you imagine that to be? It's hard to tell. I mean, it's going to probably depend on financial realities. Um, and what venues managed to make it through the pandemic because that's one thing I know I was watching like store after store and venue after venue close so just seeing who exists on the other side period um, is going to be the starting point and then it's just I, I, there's certainly going to be always certain interests that are that have it have a a vested financial interest in like the status quo and nobody rocking the boat, they're going to be like, okay, back to normal, back to normal. But for the rest of us who had this like 12 month lesson to like sit in time out and think about shit, um, 
I guess it's on us if we go back to acting the same way and doing the same shit. Like I'm not trying to be on an all male bill ever yeah. again. <laughs> I'm not trying to be on an all white people bill ever again. Um, and maybe I'm lucky to have done enough tours and paid enough dues and met enough fans to sustain me to be able to say no. But in, you know, until more of us say no in a principled way to whack shit, you know, we're going to be stuck with that back to normal shit. Yeah. I think about that quite a bit with this pandemic kind of happening. Like I'm lucky I was able to survive because I've already, I mean, I spent the 15 years prior to it happening and building an audience. I really had worrying a lot about some new artists who are just like, maybe they were just on that cusp of like breaking over. And then there's this huge year, this long year and two years like that probably crushed a lot of just amazing voices or imagery that we we might miss out on from so yeah i thought about that as well people that were poised to go on the road and for the first time and had great albums locked and loaded that they worked on for years um but yeah i mean hopefully i guess if it's a good enough voice it'll it'll make it to the top hopefully yeah no (laughs) (laughs) remind me are you are you an optimist or a pessimist where do you lie in that uh i'm gonna keep saying optimist until further notice yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i was thinking while you were talking about the you know now that the it seems like there's light at the end of the tunnel and there's gonna there's shows happening but i was talking about this with chesky about he's doing those you know fake four fridays um and i've been doing these online drink and draw things with people but the drop-off has just been like 80 percent drop off from people who are joining on onto those because and i get it too but i i I like that virtual world i like to be able to do gigs like that i wonder if we just have to cut back on them or something it's summertime too like this has always been the slowest worst time for the internet for everything like right now um no one even responds to emails in this window of time (laughs) there's a couple through the years yeah i've learned to just like ride the waves of (laughs) of uh internet activity so yeah i that's why i kind of put the minecraft thing on pause with the february benefit because it raised about the same amount of money as the november benefit but the february one had like 36 bands um so it still had great viewership numbers and stuff but if it it wasn't it wasn't going up it was hitting into like just like a lot of people getting vaccinated and seeing like the weather get better so yeah i mean maybe not maybe not the summertime but winter time or just you know once things kind of even out i imagine now there's just going to be a huge rush of people outdoors as there probably should be we should probably all go see each other's faces you know (laughs) Uh, I was gonna. I wanted to ask this question. I'm sure it's an awful one, but um, Polly D or Polly Shore? <laughs> uh, Polly Shore, easily. Yeah. Will you go back out on tour, or? Uh, I've thought about it a bunch. Um, as my recovery has gotten better, it's seemed more feasible. Um, but that said, I don't. I have like up to a, from a year to a year and a half until my nerves are properly regenerated or fixed. Apparently they take a long time. So because my spine was compressed and my spinal cord bruised, um, when they fix the compression, the nerves got to like go back to where they're going to go. So that, that will take up to a year and a half. Um, so during that time, I'm just like not planning on it, uh, unless it's like a one-off, you know, fly in, do the show, come back type thing. Then, you know, we'll see where I end up. I don't know that I see myself doing the 40 dates um, <laughs> across Europe. I definitely am not doing the like small venue, shoddily promoted uh, sleep on somebody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not that not that we were doing that prior, but it's like there's certain modes of touring that I'm like, oh, no, definitely could never be that. Definitely could never be that. But maybe that and maybe that. So it will really depend. And I'm kind of feeling like happy about the fact that I I have that kind of hardcore medical <laughs> reason to just like keep your ass at home, write a bunch of new things, let everyone else go out. And just because uh, like I said, like the, the subscription Patreon thing has replaced like the record advance 
and the half-ass tour. So those things are out for me. And I'm kind of happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, less emails to write, less bullshit, and more time to actually make things. It's good that you've built a big uh, a thing happening for you on Patreon because that, that does take work too, though. But at least you're able to get it, do it from home and get it to people, a bunch of people at once. So that's been good for you, that Patreon? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and make more things. Like it, it always like made sense, but I've always been wary of getting into like crowdsourced art and because I see other artists who don't deliver the things they promise and I'm like ah, I would never want to do that um but once I actually kind of made myself take part in it and enough people kind of twisted my arm too I had a couple of people that were like yo I would support you on Patreon and you could be doing this this and this and so like they I was like ah, I'll try it and that that was the start of the pandemic and yeah it kept me going and making and being able to produce vinyl things that usually touring would have had to pay for uh got done and you know so i'm, I'm able to have re more releases coming and yeah it's it's allowed me to make more so it, with that i'm happy do you feel like you have a new kind of um uh inspiration yeah yeah it's a new inspiration and a new like responsibility too it's a more specific responsibility to the fans who sign up because it's like i have to provide value to you <laughs> so <laughs> it's that's good. Like, yeah. How do you, how do you handle um, responsibility? Were you, have you been good at it? Like having a deadline? Are you a procrastinator? Do you need to give yourself some sort of deadlines or specific things that must get done? Yeah. Having a, having a reason to release more stuff is good because I would, I would work. I, I really like dig the craft of making it. And then sometimes the act of releasing it feels like more of a hassle. <laughs> because yeah. it has to be like almost it has to be marketed it has to be like you know you're gonna make look at web images and instagram stories and you know you gotta like mass produce it a little bit um whereas you know i'd much rather just be playing with kick drums you know <laughs> so it's yeah it's good it's good to have a responsibility to release more uh it seems like every time i'm looking you up or something you're referred to as an activist um quite often uh, is that a title that you're comfortable with? And well, with a moniker like that, is that difficult to live up to? Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, but it's how a lot of people became aware of me uh, because of the no more.org project that I worked on with Sage uh, Francis back in 2005. That was before he even put my records out. We worked together on that. Uh, we met in the poetry community and then just had this idea for this website um after reading fast food nation about you know like a website where you could google any brand product or company and get like the rap sheet for who owns them and what their history is um so we worked on that and we made that website together and we got in some like fairly large battles with companies like american apparel um and had you know like got in long drawn out court situations where we had to testify and um and we made some noise and made a lot of people aware of things that they were supporting with their dollar. Um, and it was up for about 10 years. So that was how a lot of people became aware of me. And then the song Film the Police um, did what it did and kind of like went viral in 2011 when we put that out after uh, the killing of Oscar Grant. Film the police, run a tape for the underclass. Get the face, name and number on the badge. They flash, we flash back when they act disorderly. React accordingly, it capture order we see. Nightstick, zip ties and tasers. Think your license for tight, vicious behavior. Um, so a lot of people kind of just caught my name at the same time as some sort of awareness campaign or activist. So activist is a label. And once you've made one political rap song, people will call you a political rapper forever. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a weird title. Are you comfortable in... Uh... I want to, for lack of a better term, like drama. I get anxiety, so I I'm, I'm very intrigued by people who. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean well. yeah? So like you're talking about going to court cases or. Um, yeah, that was a real weird one. Um, but it, yeah, it was a it was a challenge from the CEO of a company, who you know we had basically like collected information that was out there, just like anybody could Google it, but nobody had sort of like condensed it into one profile, which is what the website does. And then, uh, by the way, I should mention it's coming back 
probably next month at corporatebehavior.org. It's been Um, on hiatus for a little bit, right? Yeah, it's been on hiatus, but like this loan programmer fixed the whole database and we uh, are now working with a trade association for independent journalists and yeah, bringing it back and going to do profiles on like Amazon and Facebook and Uber and lots of companies we've missed. Um, But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, when someone is like coming at you like that, it was that we got like this email from the PR person who said like the CEO is very upset and would like to speak to you. And I was like, well, if like expecting threats, um, you know, I'm going to record it. And then like that, they went away and came back and they were like, okay, you can record it. And so he knew he was being recorded and he just screamed at me for about two hours. Like he just had this crazy rant. Um, Yeah. Now that I think about it, I'm, I'm like, am I comfortable in drama? I guess I am. And I'm definitely comfortable with like rich people throwing tantrums in my place. Yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a doorman on Park Avenue. And I think that's where I picked up that skill. I saw a lot of upset rich people just doing their best to make somebody feel scared. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a similar performance. It was like, you're just some punk with the website. Like, come here, talk to my workers and tour my factory. So we did. I took like a whole year of my life and went and produced an 80 page report on his company down to the, you know, like every last detail that various activists had accused them of. Um, so, you know, in that sense, like, um, I'm trying to be on the side of activists, whether I'm an activist or not, I'm trying sure. to like pay attention to where people are like crying out for some sort of justice or, uh, equality. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I just admire you and I admire, uh, people who who are willing to put themselves out there for them to speak up for things that are that are shit. And it sounds like you are pushing um, for corporate accountability. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, corporate law in America is real crazy. The current like standard, I believe, produces a lot of the social problems that we are continually plagued by and can't seem to do anything about. Whether like it's like gun control. Uh, which is really goes back to like money in politics, corporate money in politics um, to, you know, the last administration and the Goldman Sachs bankers that just like ran in and just straight up like became the government. Um, Things like that don't happen without like vast amounts of dark money being, you know, it's the reason that 80% of Americans can want a thing that no politician we'll go to bat for it's because like we we don't even really have a voice now like corporate power has sort of cut us off from our own democracy not to mention our own natural resources not to mention it's you know in our brains every time we're on social media um (laughs) measuring and keeping track of and selling our data uh you know it goes on and on it's it's vast uh to think about on that front, are you a pessimist or an optimist? Because <laughs> I, I do think about it a lot and I just think, where's the, what's the end game for us on that? How do we fucking, I feel so powerless and yeah. um, I don't know what the answers are. And I often ask people if anyone has an idea of what. Um, yeah, I, I think that for people who, who give a shit, I think that their natural empathy is kind of leading them to find out about more people, um, hopefully like help amplify um, and provide platforms for more people who are trying to gain a voice. Um, But ultimately movements like Black Lives Matter or uh, the ones addressing discrimination against Asian Americans at the moment, like those things get dismissed a lot by liberals as like identity politics. But what it really is, is that like empathy leading. And I think that like understanding of connectivity of like, if someone's hurting, I am being hurt because we collectively are either going to hell or heaven together. So things like the pandemic are teaching us whether we're like hearing it or not lessons about humanity and and how connected we all actually are when a virus hits the system like boom you know the whole world's got it um so therefore i think like we gotta find a way to like 
really connect. And especially with the, the corporations we're talking about, like Amazon, um, one of the big focuses of the new website is going to be translations and trying to get the articles in as many languages as possible. Because a lot of times workers in one country are duplicating the workers of others, um, or we're just fighting the same companies for different reasons. Um, you know, there's people that have beef with Coca-Cola over workers' rights in South America. There's people that have beef with Coca-Cola over uh, water rights in India. So, you know, we're all, and who are they contributing campaign finance to? So centralizing their whole rap sheet will hopefully bring a lot of activists to the same place and realize like, oh, it's these same companies. And it's not even a big number of companies that are really setting the agenda. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> It gives me such anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, sorry, I man. love no because the only way to the only way to um, learn or figure anything out is to have discussions about it. And I, I, I'm big on having discussions with people about things because it's where you can learn. Um, speaking of, uh, where do you source a good um, amount of your information? Um, I mean, independent journalists. I look for media that's not. You know, you pay attention to who the commercials are. In between if they're asking for donations and they're publicly funded by viewers like you you might have some level of independence um and that's actually like the type of model we're trying to build into the new website too it'll be a subscription thing so if you can afford to you can subscribe for if you find yourself using the database a lot subscribe for an annual thing if you can't you can still get it for free so it's not behind a paywall um and that is a model that some journalists uh put us on to um from uh, the Alternative News Foundation, who's going to be our fiscal sponsor. So there's there's a whole network of independent journalists, editors, um, people who are, uh, Democracy Now! is a, a news organization I've been watching for like 20 years uh, or more. Um, so, you know, there's there's independent alternatives. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if they're running Exxon commercials in between, <laughs> you know, you might be getting the whole story. I'm always wondering, I'm always suspect of like, what, who's getting what out of this and why? And then I can, I try to base my opinion on if it's uh, valid information or not. Because these days it is, that is a real problem, uh, just false information. So. Yeah. One I love is opensecrets.org. That's a, that's a cool one for people to just check out. It's um, uh, just the campaign finance data of who has given what to which politicians. So, so a lot of times when I see a particular senator or representative doing some foul shit, I'll just out of care. I'll be like, wow, what a fucked up vote. And then I'll go to opensecrets.org and be like, there it is. And there's, there's the evidence right there's there. There's your donation. You. Yeah. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when do you find that you're, you're at your happiest? When I'm, when I'm chilling with the fam, I, I've definitely, yeah, come to appreciate uh, my wife a lot more than this year, even without the major surgery and her having to nurse me back to health and, do all the heavy lifting for a while um yeah we didn't we didn't go crazy uh locked up with each other um had you spend that much time together before yeah well yeah i mean for over a decade and a half we've been together since 2002 um so she was with me before i even started heavily touring um but we definitely got used to me being gone for you know three to six months out of the year and the, the question would start to creep into your mind. Like, are, are we doing this well because you get the fuck out of my face? <laughs> you know, right. Or I, probably I get the fuck out of your face. Uh, I, I, you know, how would it go if I had to stay here? So now we know the answer. It works both ways, which is, you know, which was our, we knew that. Yeah. My wife and I, we've only been apart for about four days. That's the longest since like 1998. We, she, we traveled together i mean we just do everything together when we when i'd be on tours they're on tour her and the kids but she homeschools the kids so she yeah we as all you. these people were t talking about yeah we, we've been home and we're fighting and we're just like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're used to it um have you become uh like uh professor uh, the professor or the counselor to everyone's back problems now <laughs> a lot of people have hit me about their back problems I tell everybody get the mri just get the mri yeah because i'm dealing with a back thing right now i just pinched the nerve in my back and i it's happened to me about four times in my in my life um but yeah i just yesterday bent over to pet my cat and 
or not yesterday, two days ago. And it was like, I couldn't get back up. Yeah. And when I was listening to your, we were driving, we happened to be driving from Salt Lake city, Utah to our other place in Hannibal, Missouri, which is about a 20 hour drive. And while we were driving, we were listening to you on uh, Pip's uh, po- podcast talking about your back and that's a gnarly thing like to be messing around with back. And I just liked your, well, I guess what I'm going to tell people for my podcast, cause I usually don't like to cover stuff that's been covered somewhere else that yeah. I can just tell people like, go listen to that. It's a really interesting, um, your guys' discussion on that's pretty awesome. Are you supposed to, will it be a full recovery or is it something that you're going to have to probably keep an eye on for the rest of your life? Uh, there's definitely, I mean, full recovery is relative, but yeah, I, I, um, I'll definitely lose some motion in my head permanently when turning left and right and shit. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can, you can pivot, uh, <laughs> as to how it could have been could have been much darker sure yeah what, what music or artist um had a huge impact on your interest in music originally it was michael jackson when i was young young mm-hmm. um and then i certain records that i could get my hands on growing up um i just there, there wasn't a lot this is pre-internet so it's hard for people to even properly understand how few records you had and how you came by them, especially before we could drive or go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so it started in like my parents' record collection with a lot of like 80s pop. And then, but then also like Led Zeppelin, which led me weirdly to the blues and finding just when I finally did get to the record store, I just went to the blues section and started buying a lot of blues music. At the same time, I was buying hip hop tapes. Those were the two things that I was like looking for every time I was in the record shop. Um, so back then Scarface and John Lee <laughs> and John Lee Hooker at the same time. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and those were the things that actually made me start writing raps around that time is when I started actually like having ideas for characters and cause Scarface, the diary, that was the, the one that I was like credit as making me actually write for the first time. Cause I thought it was cool and I wanted to write cool, badass stories like Scarface, <laughs> like Jesse James was the song. Did you ever know the rapper uh, Gangsta Nip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I loved him so much. He told the <laughs> darkest, most gruesomest rap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in retrospect, and it's funny because like I grew up a million miles away from Houston. Like it was not my experience. It was nothing, you know, like white kid from New England in like a small mill town, you know. And um, but f- with the things I was thinking about and the, how that kind of like colored my experience and then like the things I saw from adults around me didn't quite make sense and so when I heard hip-hop for the first time it was just like r- real it was you know like there was death there was anger there was violence it was shit that I did see around me but then had never heard in music um and so it was like I don't know I did what you know and it was rare where I grew up to hip-hop it wasn't dominant like that it was still like a lot of megadeth and slayer patches and guns and roses where i grew up um so yeah we had what we had when did you and sage become uh friends only after i moved back to providence so we both did very similar things we grew up about probably 15 or 20 minutes apart but he's a few years older so we never knew each other but do you guys Um, find that you guys had the same kind of uh stories and yeah yeah very similar like literally the geographical area was the same and we, we probably would have been good friends if we had ever met. Uh, but instead, we both did the same thing, which was he before me and like the, the times never overlapped, but uh, moved to New York to try and become rappers. <laughs> and, yeah. then, um, and in 2002, after 9-11 and all that shit, I left the city, uh, came back to Providence and was not even trying to really perform. Um, I was trying to, I guess, more activist shit. I was, I was trying to uh, kickstart like a youth program where we were going into schools and performing. And I was reaching out to Sage because a poet in New York had told me he was the only real poet in Providence. <laughs> he was like, go find Sage Francis. He's, he's good. Um, and I hit him with like a cold email and Sage like punked me off. So I came to his local poetry slam, like which one of these assholes is Sage Francis? And like, that's how we met and that wasn't very much the basis of our first couple of years of knowing each other <laughs> this is very adversarial thing what was your first concert 
Oh my god, my first concert was fucking Bon Jovi, <laughs> opening opened by Skid Row, and my mom <laughs> took me. <laughs> I love hearing that because that's that's yeah. a question that I always ask everybody, and it usually yeah. turns out that someone's mom took them. Yeah, or... I was like eight or something. Yeah, did she stay for the show? She did. I, I probably like smelled marijuana like <laughs> for the first time that night. I remember being like, "What does that smell?" <laughs> Wanted dead or alive it was still my jam, forever my jam. It still is. Words. Yeah, I know yeah, all the like, words to that guitar solo. I like Joey, man. He took a lot of <laughs> flack when he bought that. When he bought that. Uh, that's that right team. yeah yeah he had a whole he had a whole paparazzi arc uh here we go how about uh mario or minecraft <sighs> minecraft yeah the, i've come around to the kids way of seeing things are you gonna are you is b dolan now gonna be synonymous with minecraft i don't know i might play other video games now that we, when we get out to the new studio i might hook up somebody got me a playstation 4 I've avoided video games for like over a decade and <laughs> particularly like wary of like what, what the time, what can happen to my brain on video games. Yeah. And uh, I just let it happen with Minecraft. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm deep in the Minecraft universe. Do you have any concerns about over, over kind of overplaying and over sitting at the computer screen or anything? Nah. I mean, for, for, for me, I can stop anytime I want. Yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. That's right. <laughs> I can stop anytime. No, uh, I'm, you know, I'm at peace with it. I hit the pause button when I need to, but I'm also like, this is not dead time. This is not lost time. This is. It's like part of your brand now, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And right. And now I have the excuse as part of the brand. I have to do it three times a week anyway. <laughs> the term ghetto blaster or boombox? Boombox. Yeah, I was always a ghetto blaster. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop or 48 Hours? <sighs> Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Commodore 64 or Nintendo 64? Commodore 64. Nice. Yeah. Big League Chew or Fun Dip? <laughs> Big League Chew. That was my joint. You, did you have both? A, they were both disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried any Big League Chew or Fun Dip recently? No, no. Even the thought of it kind of grosses me out now that I think about it. Like, oh my God, I swallowed so much of that shit. Probably what deteriorated my spine. Um, as I'm wrapping up this, I guess that timer's slowing down. It is, it's pretty much going to be hitting that. What should people be keeping their eyes out on? Like what things going on in the world right now that you think people are unaware of is taking place that, that we should be um, kind of focusing on? There's a lot. Uh, I, I think, unfortunately, that when uh, a Democrat gets elected in the U.S., everybody has this like feel-good celebration and kind of like turns off their brain to politics a little bit for four years. Um, and it's really a, a bad time to do that, especially with what uh, the right wing is currently doing and the fact that like the state of corporate money in politics is still the same. Um, you know, everyone was like really excited about Stacey Abrams um, and then just kind of has like turned off the TV while the GOP is like rewriting voter suppression rules all over states. Um, so there's there's tons of stuff going on at the local level, the state level. Um, and that that's really where people have to hopefully be involved and be inspired to be involved. Um, as horrific and disgusting an administration as Donald Trump's was, it also produced a ton of people at the grassroots level who are like, I have to get into politics right now. So the, you have to then think that the other side is doing that right now, but who are they? They're like these crazy QAnon cats that are gonna be running for your local school board and shit. Um, so it's definitely not time to, to you know, put the shutters on, um, probably the opposite. Um, if, if the federal stuff, if you're thinking about the big picture in the whole world, fucks with you too much then i'd say like focus on where you live um because lots of meaningful stuff can go on there at the local level yeah keep yeah staying vigilant i guess is the is the move i they probably now it's like uh there's like a veil of after such a crazy four years you and you can now take a breath you almost do just kind of go back to just being numb and forget that you know you got to stay on top of shit yeah, it would, it would really be a shame. That, that would be like a, 
a whole other kind of loss almost because you know everyone's been through this like real horrific shit for the past year um and it didn't have to happen <laughs> especially the way it did um for me it was just a a continu continuing lesson that like our our current system is just not set up to take care of people and i just watched it like fail and fail and fail and fail like essential workers amazon employees and like you we all got to see like how how who really matters when shit hits the fan like who actually is keeping the groceries <laughs> like coming to your table um or is keeping your grandpa alive you know um do you suddenly or or is teaching your kid um all these workers who are always undervalued you know um and will continue to be and now you know ask for overtime pay or bathroom breaks or unions or shit like that and you know if, if you don't have their back now you're you're just like you, you're such a hypocrite you know you have the easiest you know the most recent memory now this was a strong memory this is some shit our kids are going to remember going through and we're going to remember going through so it's like what are you going to take away from it you seem really good at that you seem like you have that down and i just paying attention to shit where uh, before i wrap it up do you know where that where that's coming from where where why you why you want to stand up for people i mean i know it's a nor it should be a normal thing for people but it's actually not a lot of people aren't and i'm wondering what that comes from yeah i, I mean i grew up without going into my whole childhood i grew up in a situation where i grew up around people who were the opposite who were very uncaring and very like dark in ways. And sometimes I think that witnessing up close um, for some parts of abuse and or control or manipulation or bullying that it made me hyper aware of victims, not, you know, not trying to make people into victims or, you know, fetishize victims, but be a, being aware of when someone says I'm injured, what that really means and all the ways people can be injured um, and are injured continuously. So, you know, it was never in me to minimize those things or try and shy away from them. And as a person of privilege, like a white straight dude um, in America, <laughs> which is globally an incredible position of privilege, um, I was, you know, I was taught at the same time to like, you have to use that, you know, like you're not, you, you can provide a shield in some places, you can, you can draw heat to you, and it will disappear, you know, the static that some people are getting, um, they never, you never encounter. <laughs> so, you know, like, you should use that, you should put yourself in between harm and victims, if you can deflect that harm, if you're in a position to. Um, so it's sort of that just applied over time. To situations as they come up well i think it's fantastic and um i'm yeah I, I was it's been an honor to be able to talk with you um you're inspiring man full on uh i hope that everybody that i've you know that all my audience will take a look at you and hear what you have to say on top of that it's not all activism you enjoy playing minecraft <laughs> just as you said that i just zoomed in and caught the creeper with the crane on top i, I had it yeah the, the window smaller and i hadn't caught that detail until i zoomed in so this is um i was just thinking about like your back and everything and so this was <laughs> kind of breaking through this back Word. pain and 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 things that you're dealing with there so i think i see happiness i i, I don't think you're um miserable i think you enjoy what am i trying you know sometimes i babble my way through things what I, well, I guess what i'm saying is usually you think people that are out there fighting the front um are just full of aggression and are angry about everything but i don't know i see you, you you're cheerful to me i don't know you put a smile on my face and um i really appreciate you joining me for a dod 45 so yeah it's a grizzly bear kind of speaking as my you know kind of not this isn't screaming or in pain or anything, he's kind of yelling out, yelling out, saying like, uh, 
this is happening. And then really the thing with the back, that was really what I initially wanted to do, kind of breaking through back, breaking through your back pain. And that's dope. Creeper brings pain, dude. So yeah, get the creepers <laughs> off your back. Um, all right. Well, so thank you so much again, really. I know I just said that, but I I really am thankful for you coming on here. Yeah, man. Um, I'm glad glad we it lined up. That yeah, it worked that. out perfectly. All right, man. Thanks for sitting with me. Thank you. Cheers. Peace. All hail the king of the ring. All fail when the clock clips. Thanks again to B. Dolan for joining me. He's raised the bar in so many aspects of personal fortitude, and I find him to be an all-around inspiring person. Go to imbdolan.com for more information, and you can also support his work on his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bdolan. You can join the corporate accountability movement at corporatebehavior.org. And, of course, if you'd like to find out more about me and my art, head over to my website, artbytai.com. That's art by T-A-I. As always, you can find all the links in the show notes. And, damn it, don't forget my Twitter, at artbytai. That's it for now. See you on the next episode, where I have a very pleasant discussion with Illogic. But that'll do it for now. Cheers. Bad thoughts in my head take place in my bed and I don't have to lie. Thanks for watching this episode of DOD 45. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. I don't want you to ever miss an episode. Also stick around my YouTube page for a bit. There's a whole array of videos to enjoy, including time-lapse videos, drawing tutorials, and live streams. It's like an amusement park. Now click that subscribe button and go watch another episode of DOD 45. Cheers. <laughs>